Hi, you're listening to God, Ghosts, and Government, a weekly conversation with Senator Kim Jackson, where she'll reflect on her journey as an Episcopal priest, farmer, first-time state legislator, and much more. I'm your host, Sharitha J, and I'm honored to share this space with you. Let's begin. Hey, hey, it's your girl Sharitha J, and I am here with Senator Kim Jackson. Hey, Senator Jackson, how are you? Girl, I'm doing good. How you doing? It's good to see you. It's good to see you too. I I already can tell that you are entering the space with some good vibes this week, and I hope that is a reflection of how this week turned out for you. Hey, I am finding the sunshine wherever I can find it. Listen, I I have a dear friend. I'm gonna give them a shout out, Emma, who says we bring we bring the sunshine. So it sounds like you are bringing the sunshine, even if it, if there are clouds in the sky. That's right. Doing my best. Doing my best. <laughs> so, with that said, and you bringing the sunshine, shall we talk about the clouds, or are we gonna talk about the sunshine first? Because I, I, I tell you. Either way, it's going to be beautiful. I know we had a pretty tough last episode. And to be honest, the the episode before that as well, I mean, our community has just been experiencing a lot. And you've been navigating that uh, pastorally. And I, I always want to know where you are and how you're doing with holding these spaces. Yeah, you know, I am doing my best to take care of myself and to um, make sure that I take time to go to the gym, spend time outside with the animals and things like that, because it has been hard. You know, we've had two deaths. Um, I I will do two funerals in a row this weekend, um, one for CEO Jeff Parker and then the next one on Sunday uh, for Miss Annette Williams' mama who died outside, who succumbed to the elements. And so um, I think after this weekend, I feel like there'll be more sunshine because those two things will will be behind us. Although, of course, the grieving process never ends just with a memorial service. But, you know, all in all, um, this week, is it's hard. This work is hard. Things are complicated. But I felt incredibly well supported in all of this. I have a great team that works with me to um, help push me to continue to get good things done. And uh, also, we have baby chicks. I mean, what? how can you be sad, right? Baby hey. chicks. Baby chicks. I don't know why. It's January and it's like 25 degrees outside. So it's not exactly the right time for hmm. chicks to be born. But I feel like in the midst of all of this death, what a gift it has been to see these little baby chicks, you know, kind of palling around with their mama hen. And it's just, it's real beautiful and it's joyful. Indeed. Well, please, you know, I have to request it. Get us some photos so that we can share this life update of these beautiful chicks. Uh, Do you know how many? Um, Well, I know how many there used to be and I know how many there are now. (laughs) Um, The circle of life. It is the circle of life and sometimes it can be short. But uh, yeah, we have three chicks and I will get you some pictures. They're really, really cute. Excellent. We love to share that update at Kim for Georgia. Just as as we've said, you know, sunshine, clouds, little rain, but 
all the same. We get to enjoy the weather, be here, be present. So in being present, we're also going to take a look back. Sankofa recap this week. What has happened at the Capitol under the Gold Dome? Yeah, so let's just start with my hearing. We talked about this in the last episode that I was going to have a hearing on SB, watch me get the number right, 197, um, which was a bill about uh, stalking and expanding the definition of stalking. Um, You know, I said in the previous episode, I don't think this, I'm not very anxious about this. It shouldn't be that hard. We've gone before this committee before and they passed it out unanimously, but it's a new year new year, new perspectives. And so my bill has found itself stuck in judiciary. Um, What I thought would be a 15 minute hearing turned into an hour long questioning in front of what felt like a shooting range. Again, I assumed just like you, that this was going to go smoothly. You know, you have that, that, that Senator Kim Jackson magic that you do. You can be very convincing. So what was different about this time? You know, it was the very first um, hearing, a very first bill that this uh, Judiciary Senate Judiciary Committee was hearing for the the year. Um, I think last time they were well into it and maybe maybe they were tired and just not reading the fine print as well last year. I don't really know why, but um, they came out firing at me around it. Um, A lot of concern about, so if someone's being stalked in their own home and they go and get charges pressed, does this mean that the owner of the home could be put out of his home? Could he be, it's always a he, could he be removed? And, um, you know, there's not really good due process and um, just a lot of concern, a whole, whole bunch of concern around uh, false accusations, um, around a person being unfairly, unrighteously removed from their home uh, by false accusations, which is bullshit. I mean... (laughs) Go ahead and call it like you see it. This, this this podcast has an E rating anyway, for so I might as well call I don't, it. I don't know how. I've, maybe our conversations about Billy the goat and how he likes to come and or used to come and visit uh, with your goat. So maybe that's how we earn that E rating. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, since we have it, I'll, I'll go ahead and call bullshit where I, I see bullshit. Um, yeah. So it was, it was hard. I mean, I... I'm really grateful for the advocates. I had a judge who came and spoke mm-hmm. and I had a, a woman from the Commission on Family Violence who came and spoke in favor of the bill. And they both did an excellent job in trying to communicate the absolute urgency of us passing this leg- legislation, um, the ways in which people, not just women, but people broadly speaking, have been and are in danger of being uh, stalked in their own homes. They gave real life real life scenarios of people who were in difficult relationships, but sharing a home. And uh, I'm not going to give people examples of how you can stalk somebody in their own home because I don't want to empower anybody to do that. But they gave real life examples. They offered powerful testimonies. Um, And it's often true credit to Senator Brian Strickland, who is the chair of the Judiciary Committee. He did his best to help me. He's also the co-signer on that bill. He's the second signer. And so he did everything he could to ask the right questions, to try to help his colleagues come along along the way. And after an hour, you know, he just said, thank you so much, Senator Jackson. Um, I think we're going to go ahead and table this and, and come back to it when it's when it's been more perfected. 
Wow. Wow. When I listen to this, it feels like it comes down to power, like base level and the possible loss of power or the loss of control by introducing this bill, even though we very much so know that it is with good intentions. I'm I'm just curious as to how we got here. I or not even curious. I understand how we got here. It's just frustrating yeah. to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's frustrating. And fundamentally, these the bills that I bring around stalking, around sexual assault, um, it's it's really a question of who do you prioritize? Um, are we trying to look out for the victim? And centering them, trying to, you know, um, giving them the benefit of the doubt just in case, or are we centering the accused and saying, you know, we don't want to take any rights away from the accused um, because it may be false. And so when when you have those kind of conflicting um, priorities, then you end up in a stalemate like the one that I found myself in. And, you know, I worked that bill really hard, Sharitha. I sat down with the defense attorneys to try to come up with some type of language where we could really make this work and um, and feel like everybody's best interests were being protected as much as you can. But at the end of the day, I'm advocating for the victim. And I'm saying that if someone is being victimized, and that their victim, their victimizer, the person who is victimizing them has got to go. Like, that's where I land. And that definitely is in contradiction to somebody who's saying we want to make sure people don't, you know, get out, kicked out of their house without there being true evidence, if you will. Um, my favorite line from the hearing that I offered was this is criminal behavior and it needs to be prosecuted as such, even if it's in the home. We don't allow people to commit murder in their homes and say, because it happened inside your house, you're good to go. So therefore we cannot allow people to stalk someone else in their own homes. It's criminal behavior. We need to prosecute it as such. That was my favorite line. Obviously it didn't actually result in the bill um, passing, but um, the good news is it's not dead. This is what, um, and this is an important distinction to make for those of you who are trying to learn a little bit about how policy works because the bill was tabled because Chairman Strickland um, move he didn't even move he just said you know we're going to move on and they didn't vote it down so since it wasn't voted down which would have happened if they had gone to a vote that was clear um, the bill is still alive and we can continue to work on it um, as time goes on well that's certainly good news considering the possible outcomes of that hearing so glad to know that the bill is still alive you just mentioned conflicting priorities and I would love to build off of that because just as you talked about your bill SB 197 I heard you gave a speech from the well this week on SR 363 let's take a listen thank you Mr. President I rise today because I represent that small town of Clarkston that in 2016 launched a formal committee to study the issue. They did not allow any non-citizen to vote in 2016, and they never have. And what they discovered when they launched that formal investigation to study this possibility 
And let me remind you, Clarkson is a city in which over half of the residents are foreign-born. Clarkson is a city that has received over 3,000 refugees from war-torn countries all across the world. When they launched that formal investigation to consider if maybe in their small town they might allow legal green card holding citizens to vote, what they discovered is that our Georgia Constitution does not allow non-citizens to vote. So this already is quite clear. If that little town that wanted it could not have it happen, then we know it's not possible because they tried. So I join my fellow citizens and also my fellow Democrats in calling for you to vote no because this is just unnecessarily divisive and if we're gonna make a constitutional amendment where we ask a question on a ballot, we need to make sure we're using Georgians' time well, making sure we're asking questions that actually matter, that impact real lives and make a real difference. I yield the well. Yeah, so I, I kind of prepped you all for that in the last episode of the podcast. This is the, um, a resolution that would call for a constitutional amendment to amend the Georgia Constitution so that it would say that only, that's the new word introduced, that only citizens can vote in Georgia. The Constitution currently says citizens in Georgia can vote. Um, so this is to create some more like exclusionary language, um, quote, just in case. Uh, so that bill came to the floor on Monday, and uh, I spoke against that bill, largely because it's, a, it's already in the law. And if we're going to important for people to know in order to amend our constitution it takes two-thirds of the majority of the body to do that but it also means going to referendum and putting that issue on the ballot so that means that voters will come to georgia and you know who live in georgia will go to the ballot box and they'll have a question on the ballot that they'll have to answer and so it's going to take up time and headspace for an issue that's a non-issue it's already you already have to be a citizen that has been codified in georgia law already that you have to be a citizen and so i'm just like if we're going to ask people to answer a question on a referendum let's let it be something that's valuable like how about we put medicaid expansion uh, up for referendum, right? If, if that's what we're doing. And so um, I spoke against it, I voted against it. Um, and, I, and I'm really clear that that was absolutely necessary to try to prioritize and help us focus on issues that really matter. Again, Senator Jackson, it just sounds like you are keeping busy doing this good work as usual. We love that you're taking time to give us a recap, a play-by-play. Now, last episode, we talked about the calendar and kind of having the unknown of only having days four and five on actually scheduled. Has there been any shift with building out the calendar for session? There actually has, amazingly. Uh, and I'm so grateful for this. We actually have the entire calendar. Um, we passed that on Wednesday I know it's like applause, woo. Uh, what the majority leader actually stood up in the well and said was an acknowledgement that we have citizen legislators who have jobs outside of the Capitol. We thought it would be best if we went ahead and scheduled out all of the legislative days, all 40 days. And I like wanted to stand up and applaud him perhaps for the first time ever. Um, so we know Sine Die will be April 4th, which happens to be the feast day of Dr. Martin Luther King. 
since the anniversary of his assassination. Um, so I don't know, that seems kind of foreboding, but April 4th will be our signing die. And I know all the schedule in between now and then. For our deeply spiritual folks, I think we're going to have to start burning some sage virtually, some virtual sage in this space. Uh, just to make sure we're setting the tone, we're going to go ahead and get that ready for Sunny Die. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's the feast day of Dr. Martin Luther King. Surely his spirit will be very present that day and maybe it'll save us from some more bullshit. Well, indeed. So glad that the calendar's been updated. And that's certainly some good news. You have a, a day job, right? So to, to be a legislator and fully committed to what that means and not have your schedule before you and trying to maintain uh, a sense of organization in your personal life. I mean, that had to be super frustrating. Yeah, I'm so glad that it's all clear. We know when the committee days are, we know when we're in session. Um, And it's also helpful because, you know, we cannot, we can't do any fundraising while we're in session. And this is an election year, as everybody in Georgia is well aware. Um, But for those of us who are facing a primary challenger in May, not being able to raise any money until an unknown period was really stressful. So now at least we know on April 5th, we can start raising money again to, you know, mount up a strong campaign for a primary in May. Yeah, that I can see how that could be very significant. Okay, Senator Jackson, now that you have your schedule, you know, we already knew you were busy, right? (laughs) We already knew that you had plenty of things going. And as always, we're going to honor your time Uh, Again, thank you for giving us a a recap of what's happening. But just one more thing before we get out of here. We also know that you had a bit of a lunch party this week for the Mental Health Caucus. Yes. So a huge priority for me and my personal and professional life is making sure that we address issues of mental health. We spoke about this a bit last episode, um, but part of putting that in action is that Brian Strickland, his name keeps coming up again, um, who is, by the way, a Republican. um, He and I are are co-chairs of a bipartisan bicameral, so this means it's also in the House, caucus that will focus on mental health issues. So on Wednesday, we had a huge launch of that. The secretary, uh, the speaker of the House, actually, uh, he announced his big omnibus bill. So that again, an omnibus, it's like a huge bus with lots and lots of parts. Um, So his omnibus bill, which is 74 pages, was dropped, which will address issues of parity, uh, workforce issues. I mean, you name it around mental health care, he seeks to address it with this bill. So he announced that. I also was a signatory on a co-responder bill that will allow for law enforcement to have a trained licensed psychologist or therapist or counselor with them when responding to mental health crises. I mean, this is the year of mental health. And so we launched that caucus this week um, and had great response from senators on both sides of the aisle, people who feel really strongly. I... um, you know, honestly, I feel you always ask me like, what was my God moment? And I will say for this week, I have felt so blessed by the stories that men have come and whispered in my ear while sitting on the floor, 
stories about their own struggles, their own children's struggles, or someone, their brother, there's somebody that they loved um, who've struggled with mental health issues, and them saying to me, that's why I want to be on this caucus, right? And so I've just been able to, to have those stories and to hold them um, in this really powerful way that I think it tears down walls, right? Like every time you hear the every time you hear that kind of heart connection or have a heart connection with someone, um, suddenly they're not just like, they're not just a Republican, um, right? They are a human who has a child who they've lost, who's lost their battle with mental health, or, you know, they are the, the spouse of someone who continues to wrestle, are they themselves, right? And, and I think so much of this work is we continue, yes, we have to change the system for mental health delivery. That is a part of it. And another piece of it, though, is about us sharing those stories out loud and reducing the stigma so that people can say, oh, like my own state senator has had to go and get some help and treatment. If I had diabetes, y'all would want me to go and get help and treatment. <laughs> so if I have a mental health issue, you want that for me too. But we need to start talking about that out loud. And so I think that's a part of um, as much as the laws and the legislation matter, I'm excited that we're actually standing up in the well and we're telling stories and we're actually talking out loud about the struggles that we have as individuals as well. Wow, that's super powerful. And I love that you guys are trying to get rid of the stigma when I listen to you talk about this this caucus I of course think about the many good folks that we connect with on a daily basis at common ground um, where mental health is certainly a part of ministry and and navigating that space Absolutely. I mean, we know firsthand from Common Ground the ways in which our mental health care system is broken in this state. We can we know the the consequences of that because we we are seeing that in the people who are sleeping outside and with whom we engage with com at Common Ground. Um, and though we are also seeing the ways that the system is starting to get maybe a little bit better, and we're um, we're on the front lines of getting to see our parishioners receive the care that they need to get into the treatment programs. I mean, I still, every day I pray for Jen, um, who, you know, wanted to be in a particular treatment program. She came to me and was very clear. It's a women's treatment program. They have job opportunities. Um, please pray with me that I get in. And we did more than pray with her, right? We worked with her to be able to get into that rehab facility. And it's not just Jen, there are others where we're seeing like the, we're seeing the spaces, the openings where things are starting to get a little bit better and our parishioners are able to get help. And so I'm looking forward to that being broken, open even more wide so that more people can get help. Absolutely. Well, Senator Jackson, we thank you so much that in the midst of so much cloudiness that you continue to choose to bring the sunshine. Is there anything else you'd like to share with your listeners before we get out of here? Yeah, so just, um, you guys, there's a lot happening under the Gold Dome that we don't even necessarily have the time to talk about here, but please continue to follow us on social media, get engaged, um, listen in on a hearing, you'll learn all kinds of random things. Um, the biggest piece, I think, for me coming up is that I will be dropping some of my own bills, and we'll also be working to see um, what this budget turns out to look like. There's a lot of money out there in um, who gets prioritized 
is going to be the question of the day. And can some of the people who need it most, will they be able to, to get their resources directed towards them? And that's just kind of a big open question that it's going to take us some uh, many, many legislative days to know the answer to. So stand by and, and look forward to that. Okay. You heard Senator Kim Jackson. That's your call to action. Also continue to check in with her social media at Kim for Georgia to stay up to date with what's happening with not only her, but what's happening under the gold dome. And that said, this has been another fantastic episode of God, Goats, and Government. Until next time. Be easy, y'all. Take care. <laughs>